Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauza Show. Um, it's great to be back. It's great to talk about another win. Um, Mosala getting the winner against Brentford. Thank you very much. 1-0 clean sheet. Pretty dull and uneventful game. Referee didn't have the best of games. Um, we will talk about all that and um, the Anfield faithful being their usual selves. And joining me on this podcast, I have two incredible guests. So without further ado, let me introduce them. They're going to carry me on this pod because, uh, you know, we need thoughts and inspiration. And um, first up, I am delighted to introduce Carl. Carl, welcome back. Thanks, Nina. Glad to to be back, um, especially after uh, yet another win. So hopefully uh, this little, little streak I'm on can continue. Absolutely. And joining Carl on the podcast, you know what? It's great that she's back on the podcast. It's great that we're winning again. And I know she's going to be really hyped and pumped. Um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine and positive to yourself. It's Lisa Marie. Welcome back. Happy to be here once again. Um, Again, talking about a win. Um, I don't know about positive and sunshine, but I'll do my very best. Well, you know what I'm trying to get at here? I'm going to ask you before we talk about the game. Is top four on? I've said this, I don't know if it was on the last time I was on this podcast or another podcast. I think it's more up to what other people do than what we do. I mean, obviously, we need to do our part and get the wins, but I think we can even get wins on our remaining matches and still, you know, still not make top four. But it's not, as I always say, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll believe it's possible until it's not possible. And it is still possible. It is possible, it is possible, especially, you know, with um, United slipping on Thursday, much to my mother's anger, which I love. Uh, it's great when she gets angry about the football. Carl, what about you? Um, uh, how are you feeling or do you think we've just left it a little too late? Because I, I feel like it's still possible, but we're having to rely on other things going in in, in our favour rather than it being in our hands. That's where my caution lies. I mean, I got excited after the, you know, when when we um, beat United and Newcastle back to back, and then I think yeah. the 
game just kind of killed it for me. And it's, it's kind of, I look at that Bournemouth loss and that Chelsea draw and, and I feel maybe we've just left it too late. But what I will say is obviously we're asking the question and, you know, I, I think looking to tomorrow's game for United, it, it's not going to be an easy one. Their, their waveform is pretty poor. And I think West Ham will be really up for it because they'll be looking at the table and saying, look, we need one more win and then we can we can say we're safe and then we can focus on, on our, our semi-final in Europe. So I, I think West Ham will, will give their all to try and get that win tomorrow and then they can put the league to bed and, and focus on Europe. So, mm. um, I mean, if and if West Ham can pull that off, of course doubt's going to come into the minds of the United players. I, I'd, I'd still expect them to do just about enough with the remaining home games, which Klopp pointed to. But, mm. you know, if we can just put that bit of doubt in their minds, who knows? So let's just hopefully keep winning and see what happens. Absolutely. And you know what, guys, let's talk about this. So obviously, lineup, team lineup. And um, what did you make of it? Because obviously we knew Henderson was going to be out. So um, what, what did you make of um, uh, Jürgen Klopp's starting 11? I'll come to Lisa first on this one, because it looked like to me Gakpo was kind of operating more from like the deep role as, as like a midfielder. And it was basically between him or Elliot, to be fair. And both of them aren't midfielders. So, you know, that was probably the big change. And of course, Nunes starting Jota and Diaz and um, not Diaz. Um, Jota, Nunes and Salah starting and Diaz um, getting a rest, which was much earned, by the way. He, you need to manage his minutes as well. So what did you make of the starting eleven? Were you surprised to see Cody Gakpo kind of come in and play a bit of a deeper role? I was a little bit surprised, mm. Um, mm. but not, I don't know. I think at this point in time, nothing really surprises me when it comes to the lineup. Um <laughs> <laughs> And I was enjoying the the back and forth in the WhatsApp group ahead of the match where people were, you know, putting in possible formations, um, you know, for the lineup. That was that was kind of fun, too. Um, And it was echoing my own thoughts because I was like, okay, are we are we what are we trying to do here? What what is the thought on this lineup? So um, and I'm still not 100 percent sure what it was, to be fair. No, I I mean. I think I preferred seeing Cody Gakpo come in um, in that sort of midfield-ish position. Um, I think other than, um, you know, some of the other options that were available. So um, while I was a bit puzzled when I first saw it, um, overall I was okay with it. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think that's fair. And hindsight is a wonderful thing as well. But yeah, and to be fair, it was a choice between him and Elliot, and both of them aren't those players that should be playing that role anyway. So, yeah, I mean, Carl, what did you make of the starting 11? Were you happy with it? Um, were you interested? Were you intrigued? And, uh, yeah, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I was curious leading up to the game and on what we do because I think as soon as we had Klopp's press conference, I think most people kind of took it that Jordan Henderson wasn't going to be fit to start. So then the question was, you know, first the natural reaction was, will he go back to Elliot? But then we thought of the Spurs game and, you know, maybe he wasn't the best in the defensive sense of things. Mm. Um, another option obviously would have been James Milner, but I, I think he's probably reluctant to start James Milner at, at this point of the season. I think obviously given his age, you know, 90 minutes is a big ask as is, let alone this late stage of the, the season where we're, we're starting to look tired. And then obviously the, the, the kind of wild card option was Cody Gakpo. There was some people who, who called for that. So, I mean, when I saw it at first, I was a little surprised, but then I thought, you know, it's probably the option I would have went with too. Um, and I, I think it, it worked in parts as, as we'll, we'll certainly come on to. Um, obviously, I was a little disappointed to see Diaz rested, but at the same time, completely understood it. Um, but I, I do think having him on the left has kind of given us a bit more balance in, in that sense. Um, but obviously we had him as a, an option to come from the bench as well. So, you know, I, I was largely happy with the, the team. And I, I think you also have to consider the the opposition. Um, I mean, yes. looking at Brentford, when we play Brentford, even with a more balanced team, and I'm not even sure we had the right options to play a balanced team today, they still get chances against you, you know, the, between their their counter-attacking and their their set plays, their non-stop set plays. So they're going to get chances regardless. So it's it's best to kind of take the game to them and hopefully take your chances, which maybe we haven't done that well against Brentford in in recent games. So, you know, I I liked it. I thought it was a positive selection. It was. And you know what, guys, I want, I want to, you know, you spoke about Brentford there and I was very scared how they would kind of attack us on, on, on like the counter because they have got players who are physical, who are strong, who are quick, uh, really quick with the transition of the ball. And of course, you know, set pieces. I think we got absolutely done over when we played them this season. So, you know, there was a lot of worry factor with this team. I remember we're more just absolutely bullying us and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So, um, I'm going to come to you, um, guys first, Lisa. Um, we won one nil, Salah scored. And for me, like hindsight again is a wonderful thing. And one thing that kind of really like I felt like this game had the blueprint of maybe a game in the season where we we have a lot of chances or we have chances and we cre- we create chances, we don't convert them and as the game goes on it looks like we're staring down um the barrel of a draw or, or a late or a or a late, you know, like loss. And I think one thing that I'm really impressed by, certainly this game and the Fulham game, is the fact that the chances come quick and we take them. And Mo Salah, again, I mean, talk to me about that. 100th goal as well. I know, 100th goal. Home goal. Yeah, 100th goal for Anfield goal for him and 100th Mm -hmm. clean sheet for Ali. So, um, you know, if excellent, excellent milestones for, for both of them to mark today. Yeah, I mean, I think we have gotten better at... Hey, you know, the la- I was thinking about that as as that goal was scored. That it it's been nice these last couple of games to see us get on the score sheet early, mm. um, and just you know who cares if it, it wasn't a very pretty goal, but I don't care. It was in the back of the net. And that's all that really matters in the in the long run. They can all be, um, you know, something to be included in a you know in a YouTube compilation at the end of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is something that we have. 
seen improve here the last, you know, the latter half of the season that they're not trying to take the perfect shot. They're just they're just trying to get it in um, because we have learned the hard way that at the end, you know, that can be the difference between winning a game, losing a game or just, you know, getting that draw. So so I was happy to, to see us um, score early. Um, would have liked to have seen one or two more, I, to be honest, but but I'm glad that it came and we and we held on. You know, I mean, it wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win. And, you know, I was thinking just now as we were starting the show that, you know, what would we have given a few months ago just for the ugly one nil win yes, you know, yes. a couple months back? So, hey, you know, that's, you know, if that's what's going to take to get us over the line, then then I'll take it all all season long. Absolutely. We could have done with those ugly, gnarly 1-0 wins um, early on in the season. I mean, I'm going to come to you now, Carl. And one thing that, I mean, it was great to see Marcelasco. Obviously, it's great. Um, we absolutely love him. And we've had so many chats about him on this podcast, you and I. But uh, one thing that kind of made me smile was the players involved in the build-up to the goals. So I think it was Fabinho who like, crosses it across to um, uh, uh, Virgil van Dijk. And then he... He then passed it past goal to um, Mosala, who just, you know, thank you very much, um, uh, you know, puts it into the back of the net. But I like that. I like the fact that those kind of players were involved in the goal. Yeah, I mean, for me, we, we <laughs> scored a Brentford goal against Brentford. You know, they're they're known for their ability to kind of keep a, a set play alive. Like, I mean, that all comes initially. It's a Liverpool corner and it's sustained mm-hmm. pressure. We just keep getting touches on the ball and keeping it alive. And Brentford are so good at that. And obviously, it eventually comes out to Fabinho. As I said, he, he chips it into to Van Dijk at the back post he heads it back across for Salah and Salah goes to shoot with his bad foot initially and that makes the keeper dive and even though Salah miss kicks it he's then able to get a second yeah. by the sherry with his left and, and put it into the roof of the net um, it really felt like a, a Brentford goal which uh, you know I, I quite enjoyed that because you know I, I don't mm-hmm. like playing Brentford um, I, I think um my, I remember the game earlier in the season. I was actually on my honeymoon at the time. It's going to. We just arrived in our second destination, which was uh, Athens, and I was looking for a sports bar to watch the match in. Found one, got in, and I was cautiously optimistic. We'd we'd won four in a row, you know, a couple either side of the World Cup, and then yeah. we were absolutely atrocious. And and Brentford destroyed us with their their set plays and their counters mm-hmm. that day. So it, it 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 felt like a bit of kind of justice to to score a Brentford ass goal against Brentford. There you go. That made up for it. They, you know, they tried ruining your honeymoon. If it makes you feel better, when my sister was on her honeymoon, it was that game when, um, you know, um, when we played Man City and uh, Sadio Mane got sent off against Edison, and we got absolutely bullied. I can't even remember the score. It was that embarrassing. It was that game, and she was absolutely mortified. And um, her 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 husband is a Man United fan, so you can only imagine how that was for her. So, yeah, yeah, not good, not good. But I'm glad they made up for it. And yeah, it was a real, real cheeky goal. And I'm going to come to you, Lisa, now, because, of course, we know this Brentford team is good. You know, we also know they've not really travelled well away from home this season. We know that. I know they beat Man City and stuff like that. But as a whole, we know they don't travel well. But they they can cause pressure and they can cause problems. And I want to get your thoughts on how you think our defence held up because, you know, they were up against, you know, Mwemo and uh, Tony, who I think is a very, very good striker. Do you know what I mean? He's quick, he's technical. How important was it for the likes of Virgil van Dijk and Konate to be switched on? Because 
it was important, especially with the threats that they possessed. Like they were, they won a lot of like free kicks in the first half and the second half. They can skin you on the counter as well. They've got the physicality. They've got the pace. I think our defense really, you know, to, for me, it it was a game about. It was really about the game about the defense being switched on and screwed on in terms of their concentration. Sorry, I muted myself. Um, no, it was. No so I'm having a concentration problem. So I'm I'm glad that our defense was a bit more switched on. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely important for them to be switched on because yeah, Brentford definitely. I mean, they're known for getting you on that counter attack, and you know, I was holding my breath multiple times throughout the match. You know, so. It was important, but you know, I mean, there were some silly mistakes I think made um, by yeah, both. Some bad, yep, both Virgil and Kanate, you know, in the game, um, and I'm just glad they didn't cost us in the long run. But, but yeah, I mean, I felt like they were very aware of covering that space. You know, um, especially Kanate coming over to cover space for Trent. I, you know, I think that that was overall done very well. Um, I felt like Robertson, you know, while he was continuing to do his go forward thing, I think he, you know, was aware of coming back and covering space, um, you know, on his side of the, of the pitch as well. So I felt like we defended better than we have in some of, you know, our say last few matches, but, um, but you're right. It was absolutely important for, for, you know, our center backs to be turned on today. Absolutely. And Carl, let me come to you because an example of this was maybe when Umbremo scored and obviously everyone was cheering. Well, sorry, um, uh, Martin Tyler seemed really happy and pleased with himself and the, the discipline of uh, Virgil van Dijk to kind of just pump the brakes on himself. You know, it's that kind of thing, knowing that they are a counter-attacking team and knowing when to hold that high line and hold your, you know, having that positional awareness of like, yeah, I'm just going to let him go offside. I thought that was really, really smart. And there were some errors. I think Lisa is right. But also, I feel like, um, you know, the likes of Fabinho, I had a pretty decent game, but gave away a few um, uh, free kicks in positions, which were quite scary. But obviously, nothing happened. But I want to get your thoughts on what you made of the defence. I thought the centre-backs did all right today. Yeah, I mean, as I suggested before, I think the two key things for Brentford are their counter-attacks and their set plays. Now, I think yep. for the most part, fortunately for us, I don't think they had their passing boots on today. A lot of the balls were overhit by them, but the one time they seemed to get it right was that offside goal. And as you said, Virgil fantastically puts the brakes on, plays them offside. And, you know, we, we were the kings of playing attacks offside, you know, when we were under probably our, our strongest on their Klopp. And it, it's nice to, to see that maybe coming back in because we, we perhaps haven't been quite as good as it this season, uh, to say the least. Um, as far as the, the set plays go, I think the criticism I'd have is that maybe we were sloppy in, in giving a lot away. I, I think mm-hmm. the ref to, to, to our defence was very, he was giving a lot of soft calls away. But when you mm-hmm. know a ref's doing that, you, you don't want to ask the question. And I think we asked the question a few too many times. But I think we dealt really well with the, the set plays. And I, I go back to that game again earlier in the season. And I remember being infuriated watching just how, how easy it seemed for them to, to, to kind of pull us apart with set plays. And mm-hmm. I actually watched a video um, during the week in the, the run-up to the game, which kind of seemed to, suggest that the Brentford are 
potentially the, the best team in Europe at set plays. And it went really in depth into how they do work their set plays. And it really made me appreciate how good they are at them. And at the same time, it made me kind of think, well, maybe we weren't so bad. No no doubt we could have been better, but, you know, it, it is tough to defend against them. And I think we, we clearly done our homework because we dealt so much better with it today. And it, it's no easy feat when you're playing again. You know, they're, they're almost like an American football team. Like they have a playbook of set plays. It's crazy. And and we seem to have an answer to them for, for the most part, which was really impressive. So credit to, as you said, that the centre-backs and, and Fabinho and, and, and the team in general and, and how they dealt with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, I, I did not know that about Brentford. So thank you for educating myself and I'm sure many of the listeners here as well. So yeah, that, that kind of ever, you know, glosses over maybe how bad we were when we played them earlier on in the season. I'm just speaking about um, uh, the referee and let's, let's talk about this because I do think a lot of the free kicks, they were soft and you had to give them, they didn't really have a choice. But he had a really, really terrible game, in my opinion, the referee. I felt like the game just completely escaped him. I felt like I felt like he was literally just giving him every kind of free kick possible. I mean, don't get me wrong, like I couldn't disagree because there was contact from our part, but we made it too easy for him. And it's Anthony Taylor. He's from Manchester. He doesn't like us. Maybe Liverpool's behaviour before the game kind of irked him as well. God knows, you know, with, with their behaviour, Liverpool fans being Liverpool fans. But he, he had a really, really shocking game, in my opinion. And I felt like, and I like the likes of Ivan Tony and stuff, but I felt like sometimes they were kind of, I don't know, maybe looking for things. I mean, Lisa, did you, did you get that vibe? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. Yes, um, to all of it. And I think many of the Brentford players were... Um, I think they recognized early on that bias was a little bit toward them. And so they were playing it up. They were hitting the ground. They were, they were, they were helping it along. Um, Maybe you could say making it easier for, for Taylor to give them those free kicks and those fouls and those calls. And, um, but it was, it just, I mean, it, it, you know, it gets to a point where you see it at the beginning of a match, or this is me, I should say. You see it at the beginning of the match, and you're like, oh, come on. And then, you know, you get to probably about the last 15 minutes or so, and, you know, where it has just been happening, happening, happening. And you, it just almost becomes laughable because you know, you know, we're not going to get anything. And um, so, yeah, but it was. The, the refereeing was absolutely appalling. And you're right. Um, the events from last weekend probably didn't help our case you know I think it was you know that that probably didn't help any bias that was already there against us um but it it was it was absolutely ridiculous I mean it was it was just ridiculous that I don't have any other word for it appalling and ridiculous I mean I just don't know what to make of it Carl because obviously we had that tyranny situation and then I thought she well had a quiet game um, as a referee to, uh, when we played Fulham, which is what you want from a referee, right? Just let the game go, pull it up when you need to, when it's absolutely necessary. And, um, you know, this guy today just made it all about himself again today. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you say, I think during midweek, people were kind of wondering about, the, you know, what will happen. Will we see kind of some 
backlash will kind of uh, the other referees kind of take up for their their meat, you know, now that we, we call them into to question. And as you said, Stuart Atwell had a very solid game. It was quiet. It was just a, a free-flowing game where no real kind of questionable calls. I know there was the penalty and some people tried to say it wasn't a penalty, but come on, it was a penalty. Yeah. You know, there's no questions there. So, but today, you know, that, that was my thought very early on when just so many soft frees going against us. So it's like, you know, is this ref, you know, is he out to get us? Like not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he's trying to fix the match in any way, but he's looking for any excuse to, to, to kind of stick it up to Liverpool. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, maybe, you know, we're, we're just, we feel backed into the corner by referees after the whole tyranny debacle and, and we're, we're paranoid. I'll hold my hands up and say that might be the case, but you know, certainly to me today, it, it, it did feel like, you know, though that said, you know, we, as we say all the time, the referees are just pretty bad in, in this country. So maybe it was just a, a case of incompetence rather than malice. Who knows? I think my issue was, the fact that, you know, he, he was okay to that kind of, you know, book the likes of Conati and Fabinho, but he didn't book Tony for when he went into Alisson. And, like, for me, that was like a blatant yeah. foul on Alisson. And that bothered me. It's things like that that bother me. Like, just be consistent. He got away with that. Yeah, that was that was awful, I thought. Mm. I mean, I, I, I thought it was appalling that there wasn't something for for that collision um and i'm glad you know ali seemed to recover from it quickly because i was mm. a bit a bit concerned there for for a minute or two but he was he was you know and it was now i didn't i wasn't able to watch the fulham game in, in the middle of the week but from from what you all are saying to me the the best compliment i can give a referee is that i don't notice them you know yes. it, that it's just like you don't notice you know, you just don't notice them. To me, that's just the best compliment you can give them. And that is, and there are many of them that seem that they want to be noticed. You know, it's, it's like, this is their show and and the rest of us are just watching it. And it it did feel that way a little bit today, but as I said, appalling. It was, and you know what, let's forget him now. I don't want to talk about him. Let's Let's kind of talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're done. We're done. Yeah, you were awful. You, you know, you lived up to your name. Um, I'm going to come to you, Carl. I mean, what did you make of our our front three? Because I I don't know what's going on with Nunes. I mean, I felt like today he kind of struggled again today. Yeah. um, I mean, I'm I'm not saying the willingness isn't there. It's there, but it's just. You know, like I don't, I don't think we're playing to his strengths at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I think there's, there's certainly a lack of confidence there. I mean, as you said, there, there's no lack of effort on his part. He's, mm. he's running hard, as I think Klopp compared him to a, a racehorse in in midweek. And I think during against Fulham, he had kind of a, a couple of nice little flicked headers on to to the players around him um which was nice to see him kind of linking up with his teammates and and today he was involved in a, a nice move where he kind of turned and passed it back and uh, Gakpo was able to play it through mm. um you know so it's nice to see those little link up moments but but that aside he just doesn't quite seem himself at the moment I mean I think about it earlier in the season he was missing chances but he just seemed hung you know straight away hungry for the next chance and you know you you felt he was a constant danger and, and right now he doesn't 
doesn't quite have that killer instincts and you know that 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 uh, menacing edge to his his play, which was unfortunate. And obviously, he had a great chance to to make it two 0 and and possibly put the the game to bed even that early on because we we look so comfortable at that stage and he just puts it over the bar. And I know you know he has missed, as I said, some some big chances this season, but. I just, I just, I'm so I feel for him at the moment. I just willing one to just drop in the net, even if it's you know just a sloppy one in off his shin or whatever, just just to give him that boost of confidence. And um, because it's nice that he's finally getting minutes. I, I think that's key. You know, he's he's not going to play himself into form from the bench. You know, or coming on for eight minutes at the end of games or whatever the case might be. Like he needs to play, and and it's great that Klopp's giving him that chance. But I just think he needs that goal for confidence. I do agree. And Lisa, I'm going to come to you. Same question, because I felt like in the first half, every time we had like some kind of, um, you know, a, a, a counter, we were on the break. I felt like it was a Salah finding Jota in those moments. And I don't think Jota is the quickest, like in terms of the attackers that we've got. And, and it was new. And I kind of, I wish it was like a switch of play where, you know, it's Jota that's the busybody in like the box and it's Nunes that's working with more on the break and on the counter. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this during during the match that it it feels to me a little bit like Darwin is is currently where Jada was, you know, what, 4 6 weeks ago, where, you know, the effort was there but he just, you know, it, it just wasn't working for him for in, you know, in a number of ways and and I and again, continuing to play Jada, you know, has gotten him back into a little bit of form. So I, I feel like Darwin is kind of the same way that, you know, he needs that consistent consistency in playing and, you know, and not just the substitution appearances, but, you know, where he can, you know, start the match and, and you know, and, and get into the flow of the game and, mm. and try to make something happen. So, I mean, I think... It's just a bit of a process. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the best of him again until next season. I mean, to be honest, there's just not enough games left. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think it's just it's just not clicking for whatever reason. And I and I think he, you know, with Jada, he just has that un, you know, in comparison, he has that sort of uncanny knack of being able to get into the right place at the right time. You know, the yeah. box in the box thing. And I mm-hmm. don't know that Nunez has that same instinct. I mean, he very well may. We just don't have as much of a, a sample size, if you will. You know, we've been watching Jada for a few seasons now and, and seen him, you know, have seen him do that. And we just 
you know, we haven't been watching Darwin as long. So he very well may have some of that. But I think you have to, you know, I I think he's just got to have that consistent playing time to get back in a groove um, for himself. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, he started today. Did he start midweek against Fulham? I don't remember because I didn't watch the game. Or did he, he come did. on? He did. He, he started. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, two weeks or two two matches in a row. So, you know, luckily, you know, if he can get... You know, start the next match and, you know, and, and as I said, just get a little bit of that rhythm and consistency. You know, I think we'll see him. But, I, you know, I think, to be quite honest, just where we are in the season, it's going to be, you know, a good preseason under his belt. You know, if we're switching the system up a little bit and allow him to just kind of get that, you know, continuity and, you know, to find his form. I don't know. I think it could be as well. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Obviously, we ha- we have a change up in the system and the formation, and maybe like Trent being more involved in the midfield, it makes our build up a bit more gradual. He's a bit more closer to the strikers, mm-hmm. and maybe he's not. Maybe when we were playing like the 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 generic, you know, four at the back where your your fullbacks were, you know, sort of bombing on and sort of doubling up with the the wide attackers. I don't know, maybe like um, that's kind of maybe affecting his play that the long balls aren't coming in. Maybe the slow, gradual build-up play doesn't really, at the at the moment, he's not benefiting from it or he's adjusting and adapting to it from what his skill set is and what is being required from the whole team as a whole to work well because everyone else is kind of picking it up now. I think more Salah's really benefiting it from as well. But I think, you know, maybe, I think, Lisa, you're right. I think next season will probably be when we see the best of any, you know, of, of him. And I don't, by no stretch of the imagination, you know, has he had a bad season. Um, But I just feel like at the moment, he just looks like he doesn't know what he's meant to do. And I'm not concerned. I fully believe that he'll he'll adapt to it. But I think the slow, gradual build-up play, and it was something that was mentioned on the previous NKS for the Fulham game as well, that it's just something that might be hindering him him at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I actually wrote, wrote something down about how um, dur- during the match that the chaos factor kind of works both ways. While we love him for that chaos factor, if it's... I don't even know how to describe it. It was just something that that crossed my head. But but if we've got this more kind of gradual build-up play going, I don't think you're right. I think that just doesn't suit his style of play at the moment. And so while we have benefited in the fact that he's just kind of a little bit erratic and chaotic and, you know, and it's, it's worked for us, that's not necessarily what we need at the moment. And so, you know, he's just having to adapt. And I, and I think you're right. I think, I think the best word to describe his season at this point has been inconsistent. And it's been for, you know, I mean, and he is not the only one. And part of yeah. it has just been a weird season. You know, we've all talked about it, you know, since the season started, the World Cup in the middle and, and just all the various sundry issues. And, you know, and I think in some ways he maybe has been – you know, the, the biggest victim to it, that's not really the right word, but you know, he's, again, he's just, he hasn't, um, you know, he just hasn't been able to settle properly into the team. You know, it feels like every time he's been about, you know, he's finding a bit of rhythm, you know, there's a world cup break or he picks up a little bit of a, you know, of an injury that keeps him out for a couple of weeks or, or whatever. So, um, 
yeah, I think it's just a compilation of things and, and it's just made the season very inconsistent. But like you, I'm not worried. I, I think it's, I just, I think it's going to click. Um, I think it's going to click for them and I'm, and I'm looking forward for the day when it does. For sure, for sure. And Carl, I'm going to come to you. And what did you make of the, like, the midfield today? Because obviously I thought Fabinho had a really good game again. And it's really, I, I took a lot of positives from this because he looks like, he is looking like he's doing a job. He's shielding the defence. I know he gave away a few free kicks, but that is Fabinho. He's meant to sort of break things up. Um, I, I really like him and Trent there. Um, uh, I, I think he's really, really benefited from that. But, you know, um, what did you make of uh, the midfield trio? And Jones as well today. What did you make of Jones? Yeah, I mean, uh, Fabinho, certainly, I think we discussed it last time I was on the pod, that he's really benefited from this system. Um, it, it gives him a lot less ground to cover, which means he, yes. he can focus on what he needs to focus on. And I think lately he's he's been doing his job quite well. He's been reading it well. He's His, his passing has been solid you know he's he's um been kind of created a few counter-attacking opportunities for us um and i think obviously when he's had to, to drop in and help the defense he, he's done that well and he had to do a lot today particularly you know with all the set plays and that so yes you know i think it was another solid game for him obviously again he, he got booked reasonably early so you know he he had to, to to mind himself but we clearly know he can do that well because we we saw him manage to survive i think what was it three games without getting a yellow card because he, he would have been in for a two-match ban otherwise so you know it, it's great to see him you know kind of having this resurgence because I, I felt so sorry for him earlier in the season because you know clearly you know it, there's no getting around it there has been a physical decline there. There's a, a decline in, in terms of mobility. Um, and I think that was frustrating him. It was knocking his confidence, which was then affecting like his, his ability to read the game and, you know, kind of on the ball. You know, everything wasn't working out for him. But he, he's managed to get down, you know, strip it back to basics, get back to his game. As we said, the system's probably helped him even further. And while, you know, unless there's some kind of underlying injury there that he's playing with all season, that, that, that uh, is the, the cause of this this uh, decline in, in pace, then it's probably here to stay and, and he'll have to continue to kind of reinvent himself and, and make the best of the tools that he does have. But he's doing that well lately and it's great to see. Um, as for Jones, um, you know, I gave him... Uh, man of the match last time I was on the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite to, to that level, mm, um, but yeah. I thought it was another solid game. You know, he he uh, he got stuck in. Um, you know, he was always willing to, to go on the press and try and win the ball back, which I, I think has been key in, in his recent form and, and why he's looked so impressive in this side. And, you know, he, he it's great. I think I think that's eight starts in a row for him, which you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not sure he's ever managed that in his Liverpool career yet. So it's just, it's just fantastic because you know it in uh, we're looking to next season. You know we're still we're still hoping that maybe you know some miracles are happening. You know maybe maybe David Moyes will become uh, our, our friend for for a day. Um, you know th- things think things can happen so we're not completely giving up on this season yet but largely obviously it's it's natural we're we're looking towards next season and and the the midfield rebuild that's that's to come and you know you have to try and find some answers from within as well you can't just go out and sign five six midfielders as much as some of our fans would love to do so 
So it's great that Jones has taken his claim to, to be one of those options for next season. It's it's really promising because it's, you know, he is a local ad and, you know, I think it's been kind of sad in, in maybe recent years that we haven't had as many local ads in the team as, as we did in the past. So it's great now that we have two out there and, and you know, they've, they've both been in and among our best players in recent weeks. So long may it continue. Absolutely. And I, I do have a question from G's on Talks, which I will get to in a minute. But first, I'm going to come to Lisa. Lisa, your thoughts on the midfield as well. And I can't help but wonder as well, like if you kind of look at if you, if it was just like, obviously, with the lineup and if Trent was actually playing at his generic right back role and not chipping into the midfield, it would have been Cordy Gakpo, Jones and Fabinho. And I think Fabinho would have absolutely struggled. And I think our midfield would have been completely bypassed by this Brentford side. So I, I'm just so like thrilled at the fact that, you know, Trent is allowed to sort of come into the midfield, add a bit of a threat, add a bit of defensive cover with, with Fabinho. And for me, that this change up in the formation was maybe the saving grace of, you know, like that midfield. And I want to get your thoughts on how you thought it functioned today, because I also liked little things about, I mean, we know Jones's hold up play is really good, but I kind of like the fact that he was trying to press and he gets his foot stuck in. Like he's, he's showing, I'm seeing more and more of him that I like. Well, I think his confidence is building. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I have said in the past you know, when we've kind of talked about Curtis Jones, you know, and I mean, this would have been probably earlier in the season, you know, it's like he needs to play consistently. That's, you know, some of the things, you know, the criticism, criticisms he received were, you know, he, you know, he made silly mistakes or his positioning wasn't quite what it needed to be. And, and a lot of that stuff just comes from playing at a consistent basis. So I think, you know, as you, I think you said, what, eight starts in a row, you know, it's building his confidence. It's it's giving him the minutes to to be more confident how to play, to have the you know just the experience, the consistent experience, and with you know fairly consistently the same group of players starting alongside with him. I mean, obviously there's you know there's been a few changes, but the bulk of the team has stayed pretty consistent for starting, and so I think it's you know it's it's a combination of those things that it's so I think yes he is it's and, and I just love it I love seeing it because you're you know as as Carl said you know we always want the local you know the local lads to, to do well and, and of course Trent has been the superstar rightly so and I feel that you know Curtis is very much stood in his in his shadow um and and you know and likely always will to be fair but but it's it feels like he's starting to come into his own and and it's it's just a nice thing to see. So, yeah, I mean, a, another great performance from Curtis. And and I think you're right. The way Trent is in the midfield but not in the midfield is helping Fabino to play much, much better. You know, let's think about since we started this new system, however many games it's been now, it's coincided with seeing a um, you know, a dramatic uptick in the way Fab is played. And, you know, that can't be coincidence. You know, it's it's very much um a po another positive of the system is, you know, he's he's not having to cover, you know, these huge amounts of space as, you know, as he's been having to do most of the season and it's a you know, it's been allowing him, you know, to play to play better. So you know, I mean, I think 
Yeah, I, for what we're needing to do right now, of course, we all know we need a, a refresh in the midfield. And even though things have been better these, you know, last, what, six weeks-ish or so, you know, that, that doesn't mean this is what we need going forward. We, you know, we still need the new players to come in in the midfield to, you know, to keep this momentum going. But I, it's it's been nice to see these tweaks be made and it doesn't feel like we come on these, you know, post-match shows now and all we talk about was how horrible the midfield was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's it's nice for a number of reasons, you know, I mean, it, but it's just, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I just got tired of talking about it. It's like, look, it's horrible. We mm. know. Can we just move on? You know, <laughs> talking about it is not going to improve it for the next time. So um, I've, I've, I think I have enjoyed, you know, these last, these last few weeks talking about, you know, positive things in the midfield. And, and even though they're likely or potentially sort of a temporary, let's get us through the end of the season thing. It's good to see. Absolutely. And Lisa, I'm so glad you kind of, and I, this completely escaped my mind. I love the fact that you kind of brought up that the, the consistency and the continuity of the same players playing alongside Curtis Jones is certainly helping him. I didn't even think of that. Great shout. I, I think that is a huge factor as well. The fact that it's not constantly chopping and changing. So he doesn't know, oh, I'm playing with this player now and I have to do X, Y, and Z. As for he's just, he knows who he's playing with week in, week out, and he's allowed to just do what he needs to do. Um, that is, um, a good point. Um, I've got a question here for both of you. I'm going back a little now because it is about Darwin. I think Jason Toss just came in and heard the conversation. Because speaking of Darwin, there was a question on BBC saying that we should have bought Tony instead. What do you guys think, Carl? Well, I think Tony probably would have put a bet on himself joining Liverpool and then he would have gotten oh, an instant no, no. So, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, that might have been a risk. Um, but Jokes aside, I mean, Tony's a fantastic player. I mean, he's a, he's a complete striker. He can score goals. He can create goals. Uh, you know, he he can create chaos to to kind of create opportunities for his teammates to get in. You know, there's no doubting that, and and it's no surprise that he's been linked to the likes of Newcastle at the moment, uh, as they look to kind of strengthen for for uh, quite possibly a, a season in the Champions League next year. Um, but you know, there. I'm not sure. I, I maybe either you can clarify. I'm not sure if the whole gambling thing had had already come to light last summer. Um, if that was already out in the open, or if that kind of emerged early. Into the more, I think it was more early into the season. That's when I caught yeah. wind of it. But maybe I was in away with the fairies. Um, anyone listening, if anyone knows, please do confirm or you know let let us know. But for me, it certainly felt more at the beginning of the season. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. So obviously that wouldn't have um, been something to, to consider. Um, but I suppose you could say in, in hindsight as a let off um, if, if we had considered signing him. Um, but obviously I don't like to kind of look at these ifs and, and buts. I mean, I was uh, looking at an article about Napoli recently and it was talking about, you know, oh, maybe if they'd signed Ibrahimovic a few years ago, then they, they might not have signed Amzahin or, or if they'd gotten Haaland, they might not have signed Amzahin. And, you know, obviously he's been so key and then finally get bringing the title back. And, you know, there, there's, there's no point in going into the, to those things for me. Um, 
I mean, it's we we went with Nunes. He's four years younger. Well, uh, three three years, three and a bit years younger than than Ivan Tony. Um, so he, I feel he has the tools to to, to potentially be the better player. You know, in, in some time, it, it's very hard to to judge Nunes on on this season. I think Lisa touched on a lot of the points earlier on on why. You know, it's he's come into a side that's been. There's been a lot of changes. We've we've had him in different positions. We've played different formations, different systems. You know, he doesn't even speak the language. It's very difficult. So I think it'll be harsh for anyone to to judge him on this season. And even at that, if he manages one goal in these last three games, and I'm hopeful he will, he'll have hit double digits in the league, which isn't bad for a striker in their first season, especially with limited minutes. Um, no doubt at the moment, Tony probably is the better player. And if we had him right now, you know, he'd probably be more effective for us. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to hold my hands up and admit that, but you know, long-term, you know, I'm hopeful that, that we've, we've backed the right horse there. And, um, you know, especially if, if Tony ends up going, going down for a six month or, or 12 month ban. Um, but I, I'm sure if he can, if that ban's more limited, let's say three, three, four months, uh, I do think he'll be a, a great pickup for um, Newcastle or potentially a Spurs if if Harry Kane finally moves on. I'm going to be welcome to Lisa. Um, uh, for me, Darwin Nunes. I mean, how incredible did he look in the shirt unveiling, like the new kit? Like, I'm not. I don't think anyone can pull that vintage look off with those sunglasses and those trousers. He looks so sharp. Just for that reason alone, I think we made the right deal. Like, just for that. I mean, you know. I, sorry, you got got to get the shallow and pretentiousness out of the way. Lisa, <laughs> coming back to you. I mean. About the question of uh, Tony or or Nunez, I also think Tony would have cost us an absolute arm and a leg as well because he's English, even more so. I know Nunez cost us a lot, but this guy would have cost us loads. And maybe as well, I'm thinking maybe they thought he's only had one season in the Premier League. Is it really worth that gamble? You don't know what's going to unveil. It is something to consider. No, I, I mean, I, I, didn't think was, yeah. I didn't think he was this, this great this time. I just thought, oh, his first season, we'll see next season. You know? Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. I think, I mean, I think Nunes, yeah, the, I mean, all, all the things both of you listed, you know, Nunes being, you know, those few, couple years younger, um, you know, and therefore not so, we'll say set in, a, you know, more likely to be able to, to adapt to some different styles of play, you know, not so set in his ways, if you will. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think for us, just because we don't, generally have a very deep bench, you know, and again, you know, the, the, um, you know, the gambling thing had not come to light at the beginning of the, you know, or, you know, last, last summer during the, you know, the transfer window. But, but I think that would have been very difficult for us if, if he did end up, you know, with a, you know, multi-month, you know, we, we had him, he was in our team and, you know, and he was banned for say six months. I mean, we don't have the depth of bench to, um, you know, to really be able to weather something like that, you know, and then, you know, run the risk of, you know, somebody else being injured and out for, you know, a good long spell or whatever. So, so I think, I think we went the right way. I think Nunez just probably suits us overall better. Um, and yeah, and you're right. I think we would have paid the English tax on him. Isn't that what they call it? And 
Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. Nunez and, you know, and Nina, I'll, I'll uh, back you 100% on the way he looks in that new kit. Yeah. I might buy it. He sold it to me. Also, as well, I also feel like, you know, um, sites and um, uh, people at the BBC as well will always, always um, uh, put an English player on a pedestal of an overseas player. Like, that's just my take on the whole situation. I don't have the benefit of the BBC. (laughs) Yeah. Benefit benefit I use with uh, (laughs) lightly. so yeah, but I can you saying that I I can see that that yeah they're gonna they're gonna back a British player. Um, always or, yeah yeah always. I mean that's that doesn't surprise me you saying that. But now I think I think we made the right choice. I think we made the right choice. And you know they can't all come in and have a first season for us like Mo Salah. You know it they can't. So um, you know but but you're right. One more goal, which is very likely. You know, in the next, you know, however many games we have left. And he's had a double digit, you know, goal season. And that's, that's not a bad thing for, you know, a first season for, for a player in the Premier League. So I, I'll take it. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial, and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Absolutely. And you know what, Lisa, you teed me up nicely because I kind of want to talk about, for me, I think that the shining beacon in the attack and it was Mo Salah. I want to get your thoughts on, on him, Carl, because I thought throughout the whole game, he looked like the, the, the lively one in terms of our attack. He looked like the one that was probably going to take the ball from deep and he was, you know, trying to cross it. He was trying to work with the attackers. And one thing I noticed was he, he, he continued till the very end. Like, if anything was going to happen, it was going to come through him. He just looked lively throughout the whole game, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if if Tony was uh, Benford's kind of talisman that they were looking to all game, you know, Mo was certainly ours. Um, uh, and, he, he, you know, in the game in which, you know, Liverpool maybe weren't at their, their free-flowing best, um, you know, he still looked like he, he carried a threat. I mean, both, both in terms of getting in himself and playing his, his teammates in. I think in the, the second half, obviously, he was responsible for, for creating our, our best chance where he could have played in Jota in behind. And, and Jota, unfortunately, probably put a bit too much on his cross to Gakpo and it wasn't, uh, he couldn't control it. Yeah. Had to put it in the back of the net. But it was great by Mo to, to spot that run mm. from, from Jota. And uh, I think that's often a, a part of his game that, that um 
you know, is is not quite overlooked, but you know, not not as given much of a shine as as his, his goal scoring and his dribbling and and his other attacking qualities. Like he, he is fantastic at, at picking out a teammate. He can pick a pass, and you know, his his vision is excellent. And you know, we we saw you know a couple examples of that today. And I mean, it, it's just great in that uh, you know, obviously the 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 start of the season, maybe Mo didn't start the season in, in the way we usually expect Mo to, to, to start a season. Like he, he was getting goals, but his general play wasn't quite up to, to it. He was maybe struggling in the, the new system we were, we're, trying to play I, I think um when you're being asked to play as a corner flag sometimes you're you're gonna struggle uh to, to get goals and, and the like and, and look dangerous <laughs> but you know I, I again I think he's benefited as we've changed system um you know he's, he's a little more central now and he can get more in among us and you know it's, it's just fantastic to see him back to his, his free-flowing best I, I think I was it the right football writers team of the year there was announced the other day and he actually made it in um now of course there's some uh, burned United fans complaining that uh, their their precious Rashford wasn't in there, but you know, let, let's just say Rashford's best season ever isn't as as good as uh, one of Mo's lesser seasons. Let's say that's just how good Mo Salah is. That's how consistent he is, and and he's been you know along with the likes of Trent and um, Van Dijk in, in recent weeks. You know, he he's been the, largely responsible for for this resurgence and and. Even furthermore, I think him and Alison are the reason that we were even in a shout of of European football going into these last few weeks. Like he's just fantastic, and uh, you know, I'm I'm just hoping next year in a more settled, you know, Liverpool team, you know, when we get those midfield reinforcements Ooh. in and and whatever else, that Mo Salah can can maybe put push Erling Haaland a, a little harder for for that uh, top scorer. And I'm, I'm not sure he, he'll he'll quite keep up with him, but I, I think he'll he'll push him harder than anyone has this season. That's my feeling anyway. I like it. Watch this space. And Lisa, what did you make of Mo Salah today? And just in general, of course, he got his hundredth Anfield goal. You know when we played Fulham and he was one behind Steven Gerrard, so that means he equals Steven Gerrard now, doesn't he? Goal scoring. Yeah, it does because he scored today. His stats are off the charts. I just don't even know what to say about him. You know, you you can never say enough good things about Mo Salah, in my opinion. I mean, he's just, he's he's amazing. And he was. He pl- I thought he played he played very well today. And it just... I don't want to say astonishes me because at this point, nothing that he does really surprises me because he's wonderful. But I, you know, he, it felt like he kind of just popped up everywhere we needed for him to, um, you know, on, on the, on the field, on the pitch. He was, you know, I mean, he was showing up, you know, over on the, on the left side occasionally, and I'm sure it was coming off of, you know, um, corner kicks or, or something, but there were a couple of times that I was like, why is he over there? And it was early on. It's like, why is he over on the left side? I'm <laughs> confused. And so, yeah, but he, he seems to just, he continues to get himself into, into wonderful positions. He, you know, he picks a great pass. He's, you know, he's just got wonderful, wonderful vision on, you know, an awareness of where everybody is. And, you know, anybody who can continue to play the way he does without showing continued frustration on the way he can be mauled and wrestled to the ground and never get it, never get called is, you know, 
just high up in in my estimation because I, you know, I get frustrated watching it. I'm sure all of you and everybody listening, it is just one of the most frustrating things about, and I know we said we weren't going to talk about the refereeing anymore, but it's one of the more consistent things that just frustrates me about the refereeing is Mo can be mugged and rustled to the ground mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. And, you know. It's just, it's, 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 if we think about all the times that that has happened and if we were given a free kick or whatever, he probably would have, you know, what, an extra five or 10 goals a season? I was just going to say, if he actually got some of those, um, uh, you know, those, some of those polls, I think Harlan, your record might be under a little bit of threat. Um, Bigger to, threat. To, yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, great shouts by both of you. Okay, so we kind of talked about the book of the game. It was a pretty uneventful game, but it was a nice <laughs> win. You know, three points. We'll take it all day long. Guys, is there anything you kind of want to highlight from the game that you feel like needs mentioning? Or do you want to just move on to your man of the match? Anything from you guys? Um, I, I mean, I, I just want to highlight the, you know, um, kind of uh, the performance of the defense really in in that you know this is the first game in a while where Allison didn't have to bail us out mm-hmm. um which is really great to see um because as I said he's been so important this season but I, I feel we're just about overworking him so uh it's, it's nice he had an, an easier night tonight and it's it just good that uh, this system has as good it has been an attack you know it's really allowed us to be that more free-flowing side and it it does leave a lot of gaps and today was the first time like I'm not saying it was completely comfortable obviously there was a couple moments obviously as we said we were we gave away a few too many free kicks and we kind of made the 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 ref we we allowed them to to kind of uh, disrupt the game um, more often than we'd want but nonetheless, I think this is arguably the most comfortable defensively we've looked in this system, which is, is great to see because I think if we're going to stick with this system going forward, it has to work in both a defensive and an attacking sense. And obviously, you know, we, we need a preseason to work on it. Obviously, we need new players in, particularly the right midfielders. But you want to see signs as as things go on that it, it's improving. And I think today we, we got that in, in terms of the defence. So it was a real positive for me, you know, as as much as the three points were the most important thing, I, I think that was probably the second most important thing that we got that clean sheet and that we, we look comfortable for large parts. And then there was no kind of, you know, last minute Superman moments from Alison. So that was, that was great to see. That's a good shout, and I like the fact that you kind of mentioned the defense there, and like the skeleton, you know, the 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 sort of spine or the skeleton is already there, and then we just build upon it for next season rather than just thinking right, just write it all off and we just start from scratch. Um, that is actually a great shout. Another little, I'm going to give a little shout out to Amanda Gags, Harinda, Cam, and Dan, who all got together. Dan Kennett. All got together. They were at Anfield to watch that game. So I'm really happy for Mando as well. Because the last time he was at Anfield, we lost with Letico Madrid in the Champions League. So um delighted for you, my friend. And I'm sure you all had a wonderful time. Lisa, any, any, anything from the game? Well, I think just to, to build on what Carl was saying is, is while we did look comfortable for, you know, for, you know, nice stretches of the game, there were... I think about equally, there were some stretches, especially in the second half, where we we weren't comfortable, but we didn't, you know, I think we just did a much better job mentally, if you will, of controlling it and and not allowing, you know, not allowing 
to be you know to be beat in that way there you know again there were there's been a lot of times previously this season where you know if we were being pushed in the same manner that that Brentford was pushing us today I don't think we would have held on they would have been allowed to score and you know and potentially gone ahead you know our heads would have dropped if you will and and I I didn't feel that at, at any time there there were times where I was nervy. I did spend the last 10-ish minutes of the match pacing, which is something I used to do all the time. I used to call it pacing for the win. Um, so <laughs> apparently that worked. That Trev, Trev Downey refers to that, it that way as well because I used to tell him I'm pacing. He's like, you need to, you know, I mean, he's he's messaged me before during matches and said, you need to start pacing. So, um, so yeah, so I, I did that today for, for the first time in a while. And so apparently it works. I'll have to do it some more. But yeah, so I mean, I think to me that sort of mental toughness that, you know, we seem to be lacking often earlier in the season, I, I feel like we've got a foothold on it again. And, and you know, just once again, thank God, because, it you know, it's one of those things that has pulled us over the line so many times before, and we were really feeling the, you know, the absence of it. So, you know, I... I I was happy to see it. And and I think, you know, I mean, there were times that, you know, the pundits were saying that, um, you know, Brentford started on the first foot in the, you know, in the second half or um, what was another, they're looking dangerous, you know, all these things that, you know, tend to, you know, set my teeth on edge a little bit. Um, mm. And while they were, yeah, I mean, those weren't false statements. They were, they were true statements, you know, most of the time when they were making them, but we held our own, we held our own and we, we just ground out that win. Yeah, we didn't flap. And Lisa, who was your man of the match today? I think I've got to give it to Mo Salah. I know it's not a very original shout, but, um, you know, for the consistency, for scoring, you know, the goal, again, kind of a scruffy, not not picture perfect, pretty goal, but but a goal and and we needed it and it got us the win. Mo Salah. I like it. He had a good game as well, to be fair. Um, yeah, got us the win. And what about you, Carl? Who's your man of the match? You highlighted our defence. Mo Salah gets the winner. So I'm really, really intrigued which side of the pitch you're going to favour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I don't think there was any kind of amazing performances on the day. It was a, it was a, mm. a solid, well-fought performance rather than, you know, a, a, a prime Liverpool yes. performance. But there wasn't decent performances in the defence but I'll, I'll have to agree with Lisa I, I think you know Mo was the, the certainly for me the best player on the pitch today and you know he, he went from minute one to, to minute 90 and you know he fought not only did he score like he fought hard for for that win so uh, certainly he, he was the man of the match on the day I, I reckon Full house for Marcela then thank you very much happy customers indeed and uh, he gets his 100th Anfield gold, um, gold so amazing stuff Right, guys, this is the end of the show. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening. Before I go, I'm going to just go to my my guests, get some plugs from them. Um, Lisa, where can people find you on social media and is there anything you'd like to plug? I can be found on both Twitter and Instagram at LMarieMH. And we have not yet recorded the main AI pod this week. I think we're going to try to do it tomorrow. Um, but if not, We'll be back next week for sure. So you can always catch me there. 
give her a follow and listen to the main AI pod because it is incredible. And Carl, where can people find you on social media? And um, is there anything that you'll be working on soon? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at KMAC of the Cop and no plugs for the moment, but hopefully that'll change soon. Yeah, because Guy Drinkle's back. The football season's almost over and game season's about to kick off. Hint, hint, hint. I'm looking at you. I'm not even a gamer and I know all this. How do I know this? Because you told me. So, so and hopefully, hopefully, um, you'll hear more of Carl, certainly on the football side of things. We love having him on the pod. Um, give both of these a follow. Once again, a massive thank you to everyone that's listened. A massive thank you to everyone that's joined us live on Discord. Um, again, the biggest thank you to um, Lisa and Carl. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'll be back post Leicester. Till next time, take care and up the reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.